Welcome and uh, good to see all of you. We're in a series called 2020 in 2020, and it's all about seeing. It's all about uh, having understanding, perspective, awareness. In the first week, I began with that sort of con- the, the theory that um, I hold on to, and I think is very rooted in Scripture, and that is that seeing is the number one problem that needs to be solved is your capacity to understand, to see, to, um, uh, to perceive. And then when you do, then begins the process of, uh, uh, of change. Um, and then we talked about love as one of the ways that that gets activated. How do you, um, see better? Well, by loving people, because once you start to love people and you get close to people, your perspective changes. You can't keep your old ideas and your old perceptions about the world. Once you meet the world. And then we talked about receiving love, which we suggested was perhaps the hardest thing to do is the, uh, the receptivity, the ability to perceive, see it, first of all, see it around you, and then um, to take it in. And this week I want to talk about an, uh, an old concept that's been talked about a lot in the church world. And it's a theology that the church holds. And many churches even have it in their names. Um, and yet it is something that um, I find I'm ever learning and understanding. And probably within the last uh, year have had a new understanding of what that means. What does it mean? What is, what is this this thing called grace. What does it look like and what does it mean in our lives today? And, um, uh, and so what I want to do is, is talk about, first of all, I'll tell you um, real briefly, one of my uh, clients reached out um, and we had this conversation about uh, her spouse who she was frustrated with because he's not living um, a, a healthy lifestyle. And she's frustrated with him and her belief was that the more that I keep pointing it out, eventually he'll start to change. If I just keep on that, he'll change. You you don't think that that will work? What, your experience hasn't supported that? You haven't found that to be true. I think the best it's, it's funny how I said her belief, right? Because if I were to ask her, do you think by, by, by nagging and pushing and prodding that that's going to change him? She would have said, probably not. But why does she still do it? Because underneath that, there's still the real belief. There's a sort of superficial belief that we have. And then there's one that's deeper. And it's the one that produces behavior. And the behavior uh, reveals what you really believe on the inside. Right? So you want to believe that that's not true. You kind of believe that eh, probably won't work, but why am I still doing it? So then what I said is, what if you were to offer grace instead? Just grace. And she paused for a moment. Now, this is a, this is a Christian. This is someone who was raised in the church, evangelical church, heard lots about grace. And she said, I don't know if that would work, though. Because what's going to keep his feet to the fire? If I give him grace, he's just going to go great. Relief from the pressure of having to change. (laughs) Some of you are like, that's a good argument. (laughs) Like, right. Good point. What is going to keep, what's going to help somebody to change if there's no pressure, if there's no reason to change? External, you know, external heat coming at you. Stop nagging and turn it over to God and let God deal with it. She shows him grace. God will work on him. It's nice in theory. It's nice in theory. No, I agree. It's nice in theory. 
thing is that when you're doing it, it's hard to believe that that's actually going to work. When you're actually giving grace, you and me both feel that sense of like, oh, because it's a relinquishing of control in, in a great, in a great, to a great extent, right? You're relinquishing control when you say, I'm going to not keep talking about this and trying to pressure you to stop doing this or to change. And instead, I'm going to offer grace. Now, let me also add to that. There are some situations in which there needs to be boundaries, which there is something being done that's destructive and painful to someone else. That needs boundaries. That's the loving thing to do. There's some people's behaviors that is so bad it needs to be addressed in a legal manner. That's also the right thing to do, right? But it doesn't negate grace. Grace somehow has to get into this thing. And I don't know exactly how all the time. I have had a new insight in the last few months because it's, and it's not just an insight up here. It's an insight that's really deep for me. But I still don't know all the ways that grace, because grace is forever deep and we're always going to learn more about it and how to actually apply it to our day-to-day lives. But in this particular situation, I challenged her. I think that you know that grace is the way forward because what he's doing is not that bad, really. It's not going to destroy your life tomorrow. It's not going to destroy his life tomorrow. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It sometimes hurts. But can you offer more grace in this space? Um, Today, she would say that has actually worked and is producing real change in their marriage and in his life. But it's taken a while. It's been very difficult to, do, to get there um, because it's not, again, it's not a thing that's natural for us. So let me explain the ancient world sort of viewpoint that Paul, the apostle, follower of Jesus, <laughs> writes a lot of his literature in this mindset. And I'll p- compare that mindset to today's mindset. It's the same. It hasn't changed. Different setting in different contexts, which makes it difficult to read the Bible because there's all sorts of ritual language and cultural language that you wouldn't relate to. But if you can go to the higher level, you see it's the same framework and the same way of thinking. So the ancient world had this mindset. There's something we have done wrong. We're pretty sure of it because both our conscious tells us And then the results are that our harvests aren't doing really well and uh, our children die pretty young. Oftentimes we have to have many children in order to survive and to have employees to serve on our, you know, in in, in growing crops and 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 raising cattle and all that. It's there's so much um, there's so much volatility to our lives. And so they're always trying to predict that maybe what we didn't do was we didn't offer the right sacrifices to this God and appease this God. And we also know that we've probably done some things that are bad because our own conscience tells us we've done some things that are bad. And so we need to somehow appease our own conscience as well by doing these sacrifices. And so in that ancient world emerges sacrifices and rules. The sacrifices were there to say, I mean, again, if you, if you think of this as like, who came up with this idea of sacrifices? So stupid. Animal sacrifices as a way to please the gods on a mountain somewhere. Well, it seems silly to us because it's not, we wouldn't offer sacrifices, but the, the mindset that drove it to that is still with us today. 
And the mindset is somehow I've got to please this higher power because this higher power, this divine being or beings um, is better than they're better than us. They're higher than us. They're they're at a they're they're more prestigious than us. And somehow we have to do something in order to garner favor from them. So the ancient world had even rankings, lots of, I mean, it was a very strict hierarchy. And how would you garner favor from uh, prestigious figures, from dignitaries, from people who were in higher status than you? You, you did things for them. You offered, you, you did something, some small thing for them to, to ingratiate yourself to them in hopes of maybe they will give you something in return. That was, a, that was normal in the ancient world. Normal, normal is, a, is, is, is what we do today. It's, it was, that's the way you gain, that's the way you, su- you survive. So that same mindset was applied to, to the divine or to divine beings, was that you offered these sacrifices as a way <coughs> to, to garner favor. Maybe they will bless us with, with uh, lots of children and healthy children who can help us become uh, wealthier and more comfortable in our old age. Maybe uh, we can please the gods enough that they send the rains so that then our harvest is plentiful. Maybe we can please the gods enough so that we who are having a hard time having a child will be blessed and become very uh, able to, to have children. So these were the sort of things that they, they always thought about. And when they did something wrong that they knew was wrong, then there was this need to somehow sacrifice. I've got to make it right. Okay. That's the conscience. It was with them. This is the reason why that system worked. It's because it fit within the, the natural human mindset. So think about it today. When you do something wrong to somebody you love, What's the first thing that happens to you is, 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 uh, is, is it that you, you feel okay? Like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm sure they'll just forgive me and let it go. Oftentimes, the first thing you think is, uh, oh, man, I, I screwed that up and I, I'm, I'm in trouble. Right? So there's both the, like, the fear of what may come at you as a result of that. And also, if you press more deeply, a desire to feel reconnected to that person because something intercepted that, something interrupted that connection. And that was some behavior or some circumstance that caused something, some rift to happen between you and you're trying to fix that. You want to come back to that connection. So you're going to try to make it up. How many times have you heard this? People saying, I'll make it up to you at work. If you fail your boss in some way, you want to try to make it up. Oh, I'll make it up to you. I'll work harder. I'll do this. There's always a sense of, I will pay it back. I will make it up. This is the ancient mindset that continues on to today. This somehow I've got to make things right, pay it back, be good enough, be good enough to get God's favor. And so when uh, Christianity begins, which doesn't begin officially for several hundred years, but right at the time that the apostles are writing, there is a shift taking place. And it's a significant shift because for the first time, you're hearing things like grace. And, and, And they would have understood grace in a certain way. They would have said, yeah, grace is like, God didn't utterly destroy us. That's wonderful. But we still have to make sacrifices and we still have to follow rules. The sacrifices 
help us to get back in right standing with God, the rules prevent us from screwing things up. That's kind of the both and. And Paul says that whole system has been completely undone by Jesus. And that is way outside any framework or mindset. It's so outside that there's no way for them to compute that, to make sense of it in any practical way. And so what do the early Jewish followers of Jesus do? They continue to do things like follow the rules and do the things that need to be done. So for male babies, it was being circumcised. That's how you entered into the faith. That's what we'd always done. You have to do certain things. And so when Paul begins his letter to the churches in Galatia, which is this book called Galatians. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, um, Galatians. So you have Galatians is Paul starting out with this really strong statement right at the beginning where he says, oh, I didn't put this in large enough font. I apologize for that. Um, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You're deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Now, how were they deserting it? Well, because they were going back and they were saying, well, you know, even though Jesus did this, we still have to observe all these rules and laws as a way to actually solve our problem with our conscience that still feels like we're not right. And, and, and as a way to make sure that we prevent from being bad and doing wrong things and then maybe be accepted by God. And Paul is saying the problem is, is you don't understand this. You've already been given grace. You are already accepted. It's already yours. This isn't about a future-oriented faith or a concern about the past type of faith. It's a very present. It's one in, in which everything that you need is right here in this moment. It's not about you will one day get something from God, forgiveness, acceptance, favor, blessing. It's now in this moment. It's here. So think about this in terms of everything that's promoted on TV that's religious. Do this and God will give you this. It's BS. It's biblical lies because it isn't, it is not at all. And I get really passionate about this because this is the stuff that destroys so many lives. And I as a pastor have to hear that. I hear people who have, I, I had a couple come to our church a few years back and say, we never saved a single dime for our retirement. And now we're in our mid 40s and we didn't do anything to advance our careers because we were told that we were to give everything to the church and then God would bless us in the afterlife. What do we do now? Can you imagine as a pastor, I'm listening to this. Do you know what that did to me? It infuriated me. Like, we have messed people up. 
Because we keep preaching about something that's in the future rather than right now. You are filled with God's grace and God's love and God's abundance and everything is okay right now. The only requirement you have is you must, which is not just only as in little, it's massive. It's you must be able to receive that and take that in. That's the hardest work of true faith is your capacity to say, I receive in this moment. I see your grace for me and I receive it. I'm forgiven that every single day you get up is a brand new day filled with God's grace and God's love and God's mercy. Imagine if we did that for one another. Today is a brand new day and I extend grace to you once again. Joel, I screwed up again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today's a brand new day full of grace. Can you take that in? No. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad that I did this. Okay, be mad. And let that go through you, pass through you, and then come back to this moment. In the present, today, Sunday, at 11 a.m., right now, you have all of God's grace available to you in this moment. It's not off in the future, right now. You didn't screw up, because it's stuck in the past and you have to go back and get it. It's right here. Brand new day. Today is the day of salvation. As the scriptures say. So it's grace. So grace, not sacrifice, and rules. What's fascinating about it is Paul says, so whenever you see this, by the way, when you're reading um, uh, the Bible and you see this often come up, uh, Paul says, um, I think I have actually the scripture up here. Uh, Let's see. Okay. Um, Maybe I didn't. Anyways, so in Galatians, no, I don't have it because it's in Galatians chapter three, Paul says that um, this is this, this mystery to him. He says that the mystery of Christ was revealed, God, God's son uh, in me. And I, and, I, and I thought that was interesting how he put it, put it because it's God's son has been revealed in him. And, and, and the idea of whenever he says, you know, this is the mystery of Jesus as God's son revealed to the world, the mystery in that or the, 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 the theology of that is this. If you were in those days, you would not have looked at it as, well, of course, Jesus is God's son, right? I was raised Catholic. We always believed that. I was raised Protestant. We believe that from the beginning. We've always believed that. But not in their day. In their day, Jesus was like you and me, one of us, human. And this was the confounding thing that he's, this is why he's playing this out throughout the book of Galatians, is that God accepted Jesus as his son. And that also means that you and I are fully accepted as God's children That was rich theology in those days because if you were accepted as God's son and as God's children, that meant that there was no amount of works that you would ever need to do to gain the inheritance of your family, of your father. That everything 
that was the father's was yours. Remember the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son? Mm-hmm. And the older brother doesn't come in and celebrate when the younger brother comes home. What is the, what is the conversation the father has with this, the older son? The, son, the older son says, you, you never even sacrificed a single thing from me. You never, you never sacrificed a calf from me, and I've been working for you for all these years. But this son of yours, who did all of these things, you go and do all that for him. And the father says to him, to the older son, everything I have is yours. That's the whole idea of son, God, son, and us now in Christ being children of God is that everything that you need is right here and available to you. You can't earn sonship. You can't earn daughtership. You can't earn being a child. You just are. And every day is a brand new day of grace. All right, so grace, not sacrifice, and rules. Faith, not certainty. All right, so... This is where uh, Galatians 5, Paul uh, continues on. He says, for in Christ Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is what? Expressed through what? Love, right? it's, It's not the only thing that matters is you have the right doctrines. It's actually action, faith, as it is expressed how? Through the action of love. Elsewhere, Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, he says this. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And then verse 9. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Not, and not of yourselves, not of works, so that no one can boast. But he starts out by saying it's not, it's, it's by grace through this thing called faith. Okay? That is the way salvation comes. It's faith is, is, um, uh, is, is the access point into grace. God's given you this gift of grace. It's all available to you, just like the older brother. The problem is the older brother never took advantage of it, never received it, never received everything the father had for him. And Paul, Paul says, that's the problem today, is that you don't believe. Jesus did. That's why he troubled everybody, because he acted like he was God's son. Who do you think you are? Acting as if you have uh, all favor, all grace. Acting as if you are special. Who are you to think that? Well, I'm God's son. I'm God's child. It's all mine. It's all been given to me. And then that's why I act as if it's all mine. And so faith is, is this action of I receive this grace that's available, I believe it. It's necessary to actually have this. Certainty is this thing of, okay, so listen, you are a failure. You're a miserable, lousy human being. And, you know, that's most of the way sermons are. And then (laughs) what we'll do is you have to do this list of things. You have to uh, tithe every Sunday. You have to, by the way, you do have to tithe every Sunday. And then you have to, uh, uh, you you have to uh, show up to church regularly. You have to, um, uh, well, the list just goes on and on. I I, There's so many things you have to do in order to then what? It's almost like you... It's almost like grace is a loan. You have to pay it back now. Yeah. Now that you're in the church, you've got to pay it back. You've got to live up to it. 
So grace is really not a gift, it's a loan. And we experience it as a, we're told, we're sold, to, it's sold to us as like this is a gift. It's like a loan shark. <laughs> All right, listen, I'll do you a favor. I know you're stuck and, you know, I'll give you some money. What's the interest? 35%. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know it's, it's, but it's going to help you. It's going to get you out of that. That's Christianity, folks. It's like, you know, you, you, you come into it. Here's your loan. But now you really have to work hard to pay it back. Yeah, or not lose it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. And so, 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 so grace is not accessed by paying it back, but it's accessed by faith. You have to believe and act in belief. Not certainty that if I do these things, I will then. That's actually satisfying to the mind. I mean, because that's, again, that's, that's our mentality. That's a way we were, it's very much a cultural thing for years, for centuries, for millennia. Then you think you kind of deserve it. Then you, oh. If, if you've had a good week, you feel pretty good about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I've done, if I've checked the, I mean, I remember this as a kid. I, I grew up in this very, very much like a hugely uh, rule-oriented kind of church. And so if I had a really good few weeks in which I was nailing it, man, I just didn't, I was doing all the right things. I had this sense of arrogance that was coming off of me. I didn't even realize it, but I was feeling really good about myself but it came across as self-righteous to people around me who didn't like it at all, and particularly people at school who I'd run into. Like, you self-righteous, you know? There's all kinds of things said about me because I would, I would come across that way, and I certainly felt like I was doing pretty good. Right? And, and so you can feel really good, and it satisfies this need for certainty that I'm in right standing now with God, that I've got God's favor. But, but faith is different. Faith is, it's already mine by gift, not by deserving or earning it. It's really hard for some of us to conceive of gift, but that's what it is. It's gift. Now you access it by faith. That's because you begin to live like that. Now, so Paul's comment about faith through love, this gets to our third point. Um, and our third point is, um, I, I've said it in this, in this uh, funny way, but it's contents, not container. So this is where Paul gets to, um, let me continue on in chapter five here, the next verse that I um, didn't read in, when we began in verse six here. Um, in verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That would be, that today, in today's language, would be the, the ego, the things that you pursue that are, you know, superficial, like, ooh, I want this, I want that, I, oh, this is going to make me feel better, and, and we go chasing these things. Uh, rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, and then he gets into the, the fruit of the Spirit, and that's where we get to the contents rather than the container, uh, much of what had been was sort of a container type of religion. It's like, look, you, you have to have these beliefs. Do you have these beliefs? 
um, I had this conversation with some, um, some other Christians uh, not long ago who were wanting me to, uh, to, to, to agree with them on their doctrinal views. And I was saying, well, I might not agree entirely with you on your doctrinal views, but isn't the outworking, the production of fruit, isn't that more important? And to my utter shock, they could not understand what I was saying. There was no concept of that. It was like, no, 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 no. These, the, these are the lines right here, and you've gone outside the lines. It's like, well, maybe for you, but for not, not for me. I don't see, I don't, it's not beyond my, the lines that I see, but that's why there's space within Christianity for a lot of different views and a lot of different things. But the ultimate goal is that it produces these fruit of the spirit. That's Paul's argument. Because he's, he's comparing that to the, to the container of religion, the, Jew, the Jewish religion, and, uh, and today I would say the Christian religion. But to him, he was, he was comparing it to the Jewish religion, saying, this was the container. And when you went into it as a child, and that's his earlier argument in the previous chapters, when you went into it as a child, it was a great teacher for you. It was important, right? You know this as having kids. You need black and white. You need clarity. These are the foul lines. Don't go beyond them. <laughs> yeah, it's very simple. They don't need a whole lot of other things going on to confuse their minds. Just need to know, what am I supposed to do? What's right? What's wrong? It's helpful to that point. But then Paul says, once you get past that, which is what he is saying, we are here at this point now in his day. He is saying, this is where we are is once you get past that, you have to move to the contents. That's why he compares the fruit of the spirit to the religious system. Are you with me? You can either follow these rules, and that's good, that's fine, but they were pointing to something greater. They were pointing to, ultimately, what I want is for you to understand that the whole entire law is summed up in what? This one command. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. That's what faith looks like. It's active. It's the choosing in this moment. I don't want to love my neighbor right now. I don't like my neighbor. But I'll go offer sacrifices on Sunday and feel all good about myself. And Paul is saying, but that's the whole entire point of it, is it's pointing you to this thing uh, called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, all these fruit right here. This is what it looks like when you're acting in faith and you're no longer uh, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn someone else's forgiveness or favor. When you have received God's grace for you, you believe it, you begin to move in faith. And then finally you say, not only do I receive God's grace from me, I believe that I'm already his child. I don't have to earn that. It's mine. In this moment, today, right now, I have everything I need. And that from that point, I go then and live a life of love. The question now I ask myself is not, am I doing the right thing, but am I doing the loving thing? The earlier years, I asked myself, am I doing the right thing? Now I ask myself, am I doing the loving thing? Is this coming from love or is this coming from self-preservation? And I'll tell you what, 90% of the time it's coming from self-preservation. And that, that might be even a conservative estimate. Because I find that self-preservation is always there. It's about what's for me? What's in it for me? What am I getting out of it? What about me? What about my feelings? What about that comes up a lot. 
But the question is, am I doing, is what I'm about to say in hopes that it produces love, joy, peace? Is it coming from a place of being patient, kind, good, faithfulness? Where's that, what's happening there? And when I judge myself by the fruit of the Spirit, then I know, oh, this would be the right thing to do. This is the loving thing to do. Most of the time, it's pretty clear. Sometimes it's fuzzy. Most of the time, isn't it pretty clear if you ask yourself, what's the loving thing I should do? Just ask yourself that. See what happens. Not what's the right thing. What's the loving thing? See what comes to your mind in that moment. Trust that spirit's already within you. The grace is already there. Spirit's going to speak to you. See, mm, this is the loving thing to do. I don't want to do that. That's when you know you're, this is exactly what Paul says is going to happen. <laughs> he warns you, the spirit's going to be at war with the, with the flesh or the ego. You're, you're going to have that. That's when you know you're in the game, by the way. You with me? That's when you know that you're in, this, in the game of, of real faith is when that battle's taking place inside you. If it's not taking place, folks, you've landed on one's extreme or the other. You're not in the game. You're in the, you're in the stands. You've like, oh, I got this all figured out. I've got the rules figured out. I've got the whole. No, no, no. You've got to wrestle with that. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, now you're in the game. Now you have a choice. Do I serve uh, the ego or do I follow the spirit and do the loving thing? Yeah. If you do that, perspective will change. Understanding will change. Insight clarity as to what you should do. When you ask yourself, you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. To do. Okay. What's the loving thing to do? What's the next right loving step to take? Let's see if I can do that. Um, you know, I see your goodness in the land of the living. Whose prayer was like, God, I want to be in the land of the living. And I think um, my prayer, even maybe for the people that came up here, but like, Lord, send us to the land of the living. You know, a lot of people actually don't want to live. And um, I think our community wants to go to the land of the living. Side note, sorry. Okay, here's the benediction. January 12th, we saw the clouds come. The rains, they came. <laughs> and we float. May we send out the dove and may she return with life. And may we hit land and root in 2020. May we listen well, have courage to see, know our needs, and ask. We remind ourselves your love is rich, your forgiveness healing, your faithfulness steady. Peace, love, and blessings. Amen. Amen. Amen.